This is Marissa. This is Shade. <laughs> Sorry, that was my dog. This is Shade. <laughs> and you're listening to Fat Pink Curse. Fat, Fat, Fat Pink Curse. <laughs> Wait, why? Because every show we like and podcast about kind of gets into a sophomore uh, slump. Yes, sort of. Yeah, what happened to that show? Which show? Empire. Oh, is that in a sophomore slump? I'm, I'm so behind on everything. I yeah. I'm like really behind. But Fox tends Fox is kind of screwing up everything and I think it's because of the two people who are at the helm right now as opposed to who bought Empire and who bought Sleepy Hollow. That guy's gone. You think it's meddling? Yeah, totally. Like there's absolutely no reason Nikki Reed should be on the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> like none. Wait, so was that just so petty? You know this this just this is like any sort of political situation, but it's like for sake of pride or whatever the hell is going on, they they'll purposely run shows into the ground, or they could just be money. really bad at their jobs and they uh, don't know how to handle the shows that the previous uh, president picked. It's like when uh, I mean they're allowed to give these shows pointers or whatever or notes, and so they might be giving them the wrong notes. I have no idea. But like, there's no reason Empire should be in a sophomore slump of all shows. Yeah, are they, but it's still pulling. And I actually have not been paying attention, to be honest, to anything that Empire has been doing lately. Yeah. So. But can you imagine that from like watching season one? That like for the season, you'd be kind of like met on it. I know. I didn't think that was going to happen when I saw the first season because it was just. I mean, it was ridiculous, but it was. It like it was like. Empire knew what kind of show that it was. Yeah, so, it was fine. Right, so it works. And then this season, it was just like, it was funny. I forgot who I was talking about this with, but it feels like Empire turned into a show that they feel, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I almost feel like they're catering to white people. Like, they're acting oh, like totally. how, you know what I mean? Like, they're acting like how the stereotypes white pe- Right, like yeah. how white people think black people act. They're not yeah. acting like black people anymore. Which is, <laughs> which is why I'm just like, oh, like I can't watch it anymore because I'm just like... Have you guys seen like some that? of the, the guides they've made to introduce people to the world of Empire? Like, no. AAVE and things like that? No. They no. Do, there is stuff like that. Really? <laughs> Yeah, they really wanted to like broaden the audience by explaining what like all the slang may- meant. Weird. That's ridiculous. It's very strange. That's incredibly weird. <laughs> um, how do you get with way with murder is doing really well though? <gasps> so like every single episode is really good. like it's not even going through a sophomore slump. It's just. Like, story-wise, character development-wise, it's killer. Yeah. It's consistent. It's yeah. consistent, yeah. And and they're throwing things in there that we weren't even thinking that we would get. Like, the yeah. fact that Annalise has this awesome relationship with, you know, her, like, lover, who's a woman. It's not awesome. It's dysfunctional. I it's mean, it's dysfunctional, dysfunctional but... But, I, but there's something about Annalise's dysfunction that just, I just, I love it. I just, I just, I, I just, I crave but, everything. But, like, you know that she loves Eve. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like... It's not, it's not, It's not, you know. 
Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. But you know that she's like, she actually loves this person and they like wish they could be together if both of them or if Annalise's life wasn't such a damn mess. Like the whole thing with Sam Keating. Uh. No, but I think there's something really wrong with Annalise though. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Isn't that the appeal of her character? Because compare her to Abby who like can do no wrong and is like morally pure. Abby, um, Abby okay. on Sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. like she's like kind of a goody goody two shoes if you compare her to Annalise Keating. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, true. if you compare a lot I of people to Annalise, <laughs> Annalise is like allowed to be like a very highly competent train wreck. Yeah, <laughs> but there's something about Annalise's mess that does not quite feel like a train wreck to me. It's just like it's so compelling. Like, especially her relationship, her relationship with Bonnie. I'm really curious about her relationship with Frank, actually. Because that's, like, the one thing that doesn't get played out as yeah. much. And I'm like, I, like, how do they know each other? Yeah. Why, why does he work for her? Like, I mean, I love what they're doing with Bonnie. But I'm, like, so curious to see, like, how she met Frank and, like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I hear uh, The Flash isn't doing so well either, so... Oh, what a shit show. And uh, I also saw some stuff about Walking Dead. I did not see the latest episode, but I heard it was a shit show. I heard that was a shit. Oh, God. I can't even. Because up until this past episode, it was doing really well in my books. Yeah, but the whole Michonne thing. Oh, well, yes. They do keep fucking that up. And then Iris West, and then you have Abby, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so exhausted. I'm just going to cling to Hamilton <laughs> for just the rest watch, of the year. Just watch Minority. Hamilton is not a TV show. I know, but... Yet. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine and they try to whitewash it? Oh, my God. We. I feel like... Have you guys been watching Minority Report? I have not. <gasps> no, you guys should really watch Minority Report. I'm, like, afraid to just watch something and then it's probably going like to either suck the second season or get canceled. So oh, I'm it's like, definitely I, I like I'm, I feel like it's going to be on the chopping block because it doesn't have the ratings. But I feel like the first season so far has been so good. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, it's totally worth watching. It's just, it's, I wish more people would watch it. Okay. I feel like you were really critical of it at first. Um, I was. The first episode, yeah. Yeah, the first episode wasn't really that great, but I, I feel like every episode after that has been really, really, has been pretty great. Like, the, the cases that they have are pretty, like, I like them. I, it's procedural, but there's, like, a bit of an edge to it. Like, the way they do the technology is really cool. Uh, Megan Good's character, Laura Vega, is an extremely well-written Black female character for sci-fi. Like, she has a family. She's allowed to show emotions. Like she has her own like stories and agenda. Like she does not serve solely to serve, you know, to, she doesn't, she isn't there just to serve the white people around her. It's like a real partnership between her and Dash. So mm-hmm. I really, I really like it. Okay. And Megan Good is good. I don't know why I was kind of, wasn't feeling her in the pilot, but she's, she plays a character really well. And also they make her, they let her be like sexy. Like she's so sexy in this show. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. Everyone just watch my nerdy for it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> okay. So I do not think I have any Ravens. It doesn't seem like anything is really happening in the world of Sleepy Hollow because they won't let these two people do any promo. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's some stills out for the episode for this week, I think, which is called The Art of War, if I'm not mistaken. But other than that, I don't see anything. 
If it's Art of War, is it Asian? No. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> Wait, it's that not. doesn't feel right. I should be, like, excited that they're about the potential of Asian representation, right? Right. I guess. Hmm. Um, um, <laughs> so this week's episode is called The Red wait, 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 or Last Week's the, Episode. Sorry. Does that mean they're bringing back the horseman? I don't know. But you know who's in that in the next episode or in this week's episode is um or is it this week's or the week after? I don't know, but it's um what's his name? Peter Mensa is in this week's episode, I think. So it probably oh, has something yeah. to do with him, and I think it has something to do with Jenny. Did you see the screen caps? He looks amazing. Yes, he looks amazing. I'm like Peter Mensa. You're so hot. <laughs> he is. He's amazing looking. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it might have to do with him. I don't know if they're bringing back that particularly particular, uh, plot point. Who knows? But, um, yeah. So, uh, this week's, or last week's episode was This Red Lady of Caribbean, written by Chernold Edwards and directed by Olatunde Osunsami. Sanmi. I think I pronounced that right. Oh. I can't pronounce it, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah. So let's get into it. The lady in red. The lady in red. The lady in red. So, what did we think of Crane's Hella Awkward Dates? I mean, Love that anymore in California. Wait, what? <laughs> if you go to like a Benihana, yeah, they've <laughs> instituted this ban where they're no longer allowed to make actual fire. Are you serious? Really? <laughs> yeah, because I tried to take my boyfriend on a date to like one of those places, and they were like, "Sorry, we can only do steam now. No what? more flames." <gasps> what? Did somebody yeah. get injured? <laughs> I'm here for flames on the side of my face. Can we have flames? What? No. That's- Cray, wow. Who knew? Um, did not know that. I wonder what the policy is. They were at like a Benihana speakeasy or something. Cause yeah. Do <laughs> I was like, do we have Benihana in New York? And what's the policy here? Oh, no. Um, but yeah, uh, Zoe reacted. You know what I thought was interesting? Zoe reacted to Ichabod in this first scene in a way that she has had. She's She hasn't interacted with him in the show so far. Like, she felt like a different character, like a real person, like an actual real woman, as opposed to swooning at what he was saying. Even though, like, he was, and he was considerably, I think, to- like, slightly toned down, too. You know? I don't know, maybe it was just me, because I rewatched it, and I was like, huh. Whatever, like, rendered Ichabod charming to her, his complaints and, like, his know-it-all BS, it wasn't working on her. And, like, him being, like, awkward and, I don't know, it was kind of refreshing, at least. And then the last scene, she's not, like, completely head over heels for him as well. And he's not, like, completely over the top. I don't know. To be honest, the everything just felt so cringeworthy. Like, it just... <laughs> To me, I'm just like, ugh, why are they constantly putting Tom with 
people that he has no chemistry with. with. And it's like, there's something, I think what made it extra cringeworthy is that there's something weirdly juvenile about their interactions. Like, Uh and I don't know if it's just because of how they write Ichabod. Sometimes he comes off as really childish, Mm -hmm. but it's like him plus her not really having much weight as a character it just felt so like i was watching it and i was like why is this happening like like uh, i don't know how to explain it it was just really uncomfortable to watch yeah i don't know yeah i, didn't yeah, I could it. see that it didn't it didn't bother me as much i think because or as much as other scenes have i don't know i'm kind of like neutral at this point on that like betsy bothers me way more in, like, every scene that she's in. So maybe that's why I'm like, uh, I don't mind this so much. It's whatever. I don't think it's going to last. It's just annoying because I know it's going on in other shows with black female leads. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. it's, like, the same shit in every single show that I'm hearing of now, except for, you know, Minority Report. You mean this, like, pattern of, like, the black female lead telling the, like, encouraging the white male lead to pursue the white love and lady love interest? Not even really just encouraging, but, like, completely avoiding romance herself because she's got other, she's got better things to do, while the white male lead can do whatever the hell he wants and, like... You know, the black female lead is always so focused on her career and always focused on, like, every other, you know, anything else but, like, simple joys in life, like, going on a date and shit like that. And it's apparently happening in The Flash and on Walking Dead. (sighs) So I'm just kind of like, I'm over it. I, I don't even... I don't even think these people realize they're doing it and you know it's it sucks because you can't even be like oh I don't you know it's still horrible like the impact of what they're doing what they don't realize is that they're marginalizing their black female lead I mean it's less so it's less present in this episode because it's it is written by a black woman so there was some stuff with Abby's love life even though at the same time she's still doing that thing where she's kind of like avoiding romance or avoiding romantic entanglements or whatever I don't know yeah that is true it's frustrating a little bit it is frustrating so I keep bringing up minority report because everyone fucking flirts with her because she's awesome yeah <laughs> everybody's trying to get with Laura but on CB Hollow, it's funny because there was a gift set that was floating around. Where it, did you? Or was it a gift set? No, I think it was a photo set of all the men that we have seen that have been involved in with Abby, like from uh, Andy. But they never last, right? Right. Like, that was the thing that just hit me. It was like, oh my god, like these men, like there was always something wrong with them. Like they they were never yeah. like like Abby was never able to really have a relationship. She has a new love interest now, this season. She does. I mean, they aren't doing... This is the first episode. Her boss. Right. Which is even... Which is on top of that. It's like, that's not an accessible relationship. It's her boss. Yeah. It complicates... Ichabod before he was married. Well, yeah, but... At least he had her, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever having Katrina amounts to. Oh, yeah. at least he had her <laughs> for for six years or whatever. They were only married for six years. What was it? I don't know. Some crap like that. No one asked for that detail. Who cares? Six years, but long enough to have a grown ass man, baby. Though, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh. Um, so let's skip to uh, Ichabod's citizenship search. Well, I guess we can talk about Pandora unleashing this red lady of Caribbean first, which was interesting. They had like, they got into Caribbean folklore a bit. See, guys, I called it. I told you it was going to have some elements of voodoo. <laughs> I mean, it had the word Caribbean in it. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, I was like, I think they're referring to the Caribbean, but I couldn't even be sure because I never know sometimes what the hell the show is trying to do with the titles. But I did guess right. I'm glad. I was really glad that a uh, Caribbean demon, demon wasn't being played by a white person, but it would have made sense considering what white people did to the Caribbean. So... You know, I like her. It, it was weird, but I liked her. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the sketch of the monster in the book. Yeah. But I really, I really liked what she was wearing. Like, I mean, it didn't really translate well, like, into the physical being. No. But I don't know if you guys remember, she had, like, the wide brim hat and, like, the uh-huh. big, like, red dress. I'm like, oh, she's so, like, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. This red lady of Caribbean. Like, she looked really cool. Mm-hmm. And it is based on an actual um, Trinidadian legend, so that's real. But I think Chernol took some liberties, definitely. And the telling, the actual monster is um, doesn't have anything to do with like par- like paranoia or anything like that. It's just like a shape shifting. I think older woman who's like reclusive by day and by night she like strips off her skin and puts it in a mortar and I don't know why. <laughs> and she also like Whoa. apparently turns into a fireball or something. She's like a blood sucking hag kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. But it's like, is she made of bees? No, that's, I think that's crossed with another tale and I can't remember which one that's about. Because, yeah. Like, she crossed it with something else, but I just can't remember what it is. Do you think she's called the Red Lady of Caribbean because she's made of bees? Well, she's made of wasps. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) She's made of wasps, not bees, which is funny because they kept making bee jokes. And I was like, but you guys made her out of wasps. She's not made out of bees. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. It was pretty cool. But she summons this creature or whatever who's going to wreak havoc on the town. And during all this, I I guess she attacks, and kind of skipping around, but she attacks a judge or something. And then Ichabod's citizenship search brings them to this government official who's been attacked, right? And under normal circumstances, Crane would be able to charm him, according to Abby, because he's, like, obsessed with the American Revolution, so they're trying to, like, sweet-talk him so that they can get Crane's uh, charges dropped for, like, sneaking in contraband. But they go in and they find that he's been infected by something, and then he dies, like, right in front of them. And during this point, like, too, I caught something where, like, Abby's still just referring to her and Danny as friends, even though Crane is like, so, what about your boss? Should he be allowed to ask those questions? He's so nosy. I think his boss should definitely be allowed to ask why Ichabod is always following her around. He's like, Abby, your roommate is uh, following you around again. Oh, yeah, when he gets... But that's <laughs> after he gets stung, right? No, but just as a normal, like, <laughs> hey, like, I know you're really tight with your roommate, but you can't bring him on FBI investigation. <laughs> he did right. mention it. You can't it. bring your roommate to work. 
you can't. You just can't, Abby. He did mention it, though, like once or twice in this episode. I was like, somebody's asking the important questions. What the hell? How come nobody but Danny is, like, asking that? Because, you know, if she was bringing Jenny around, people would ask questions. Right. But because he's, like, a charming guy in old-timey clothes. He's also white. He's white. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right? They're like, oh, this white guy must know what's going on. He's a white, tall British man with a charming accent. Well, it's like every procedural trope, right? There's always some guy in a weird jacket (laughs) following the cop around. And nobody knows where he's from. Yeah. Well, like, he must be one of those consulting detectives. Okay. You must be. There's no other explanation. But yeah. So, I actually... Let's talk about um, Jenny and Joe and Abby. Like, Abby and Jenny are actually talking about things like adults, which is making me kind of happy. But clearly, Jenny's not going to listen to her about staying clear of the case. Because earlier in the episode, Danny's like, well, have you talked to your sister yet? Because she's, like, messing with my case. Oh, yeah. You know, I was kind of confused about that because even though Abby said yes, because we hadn't seen that that happen, I thought she was just like, I thought she was lying. Like, I thought she was like, oh, yeah, I talked to Jenny. But like in her mind was like taking those like, oh, I really got to talk to Jenny about this. Mm-hmm. I don't think she actually spoke to Jenny. Or yeah. I don't know. Or she did, but it wasn't it wasn't shown, but it was continued. Like when she's at the bar and she's like. I'm glad you're trying to help him, but you guys have to stay clear of this. So maybe it was like half mentioned it to her. I I thought it was weird too. I was like, I guess this is a continued conversation that we just didn't get to see half of it. I wasn't here for that podcast, but I'm still surprised by how they ended up playing out the whole we found dad thing with Jenny going, yeah, I knew where he was. Are you still surprised about that? Yeah, I feel like because I was expecting like, Abby versus Jenny for the next five episodes and nope. then like a reconciliation but they were just like alright all right, oh. well yeah they were mad for about not ten too minutes. long for like ten minutes or well they yeah. were mad about like the length of the episode which isn't bad like we're kind of glad that they didn't drag it out too much and there was some kind of resolution because they still don't know what they're going to do about him They've just decided to leave it alone for the time being. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm betting it's going to come up again somehow. Are they building towards some sort of mill sister rupture with the Abby by the books and Jenny interfering with her work? I don't know if it's going to be a rupture. It might be like it might cause some more conflict. But I mean, something's definitely going to happen to Jenny next. I mean, this week's episode, you know, so. Mm-hmm. That should be interesting. I don't know. They, I mean, they don't listen. They don't really listen to her <laughs> um, about saying Claire. And then, like, Jill goes to exchange the shard for info about his father. Obviously, like, it's really powerful. Jenny, like, holds it in her hand without any protection or anything. She doesn't know what it does. It gets, like, absorbed into her palm. I was just kind of like, oh my god, why That's did you touch it? That's bullshit, Jenny. You are some <laughs> awesome Indiana Jones type person. You should have gloves. Yeah, like I wondered <laughs> about that. Like I was just like, would Jenny really make that mistake? Maybe because they were in a rush and they were about to be shot at by like... But the thing is, she like dudes. looks at Joe. I don't know. Like, I felt like Joe should have been like, I don't know. Like Joe should have been like, don't touch it because he saw 
the guy carefully take it out of but a t-shirt. I wonder if it's just one of those things where, you know how sometimes where you like, say you watch like a heist movie and you see a thief like picking up diamonds or carrying diamonds or whatever, but when he hands it over to like um, the the person that he's going to sell it to or the diamond inspector, whatever, like they have like special tools for that. Like mm-hmm. I wonder if in Joe's minds he was just like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm like trying to put a, myself in... They, in he just feet. doesn't want to um, touch it because it's they, precious or something. Yeah. Like, I wonder if that's maybe what Joe... Like, the way they handle diamonds. Yeah. Like, I wonder if... That's what I'm trying to, like, put put myself in his shoes because I don't know if I was in Joe's position. If you would I, immediately think... Right. Like, if I would automatically catch up, catch on to that. That's on one hand. But then on the other, it's just... Two things are, it's weird that it's happened to me. One, it's the fact that she like reached in and grabbed it and he didn't like hesitate or show any, like, I don't know. It was like, I felt like there was a scene missing where I felt like there should have been like an exchanging of glances or some kind of look or uh-huh. whatever. And then the second thing that happened was that the, when the gemstone sunk into her hand, she didn't call nobody. <laughs> she didn't tell nobody. That's yeah. fucking weird. Like she <laughs> just kept it that, a secret. And I'm just yeah. like, Jenny, hello. <laughs> like, what are I you doing? Like, Especially considering the fact that she just had a prediction from her friend who was just like, your fate has changed with his eyes going white and shit. Like, you'd think she would call somebody and be like, hey. Yeah. Hey, so, like, my fate has changed. Yeah. Like, literally. She did not watch last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No. Because they had a similar black rock Mm -hmm. where, like, if you touched it, it got absorbed into your body and bad things happened. Oh, shit. And so, like, spoilers, like, the lead character, who's this white guy on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., grabs the like grabs something, and it, like, immediately gets absorbed into his skin, and then his buddy, who's this black guy, chops his arm off. Oh, my God. To save his life. Well, we hope they won't have to chop Uh, Jenny's arm off. They have not chopped Jenny's arm off. Joe just kind of, like, didn't, did he even say anything? (laughs) Well, he didn't see it. But he wasn't like, where did it go, Jenny? Oh, I like, ate it. <laughs> she put it in her pocket, and then he did. She didn't like say he didn't see it. She didn't say anything or whatever. So I'm assuming she just like went home or something, and like didn't tell him because she's scared of telling him what just happened. But I don't know. Um, but <laughs> when they went to get like the herb, the Chadon Benny, it like it was really funny because it doesn't only go in Trinidad. It only grows in tropical climates, though. But they do have it in other countries. Like, they do have it in some Asian countries and Caribbean and South American countries. It has, like, a lot of medicinal properties. I don't know. But it's, it's like, it's hard to find, but it should be, like, on a red list. <laughs> I was like, did you just drop $500 for, like, some herb that you can find growing anywhere in the Caribbean? I don't understand. <laughs> She, like, legit dropped $500. And that guy's accent was really bad, too. Oh, my God. Yes, it was. (laughs) It sounded like a poor attempt at a Jamaican accent. Yes. He sounded like like Miss Cleo. I was like, he does not sound Trinidadian at all. So you were, like, wondering who auditioned him? Yeah. I was like, couldn't they have gotten a Trinidadian actor? Or, like... It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Is he Trinidadian? No, I was like, did we look s- him up? Or someone who sounds Trinidadian? Because, like, I'll, I'll be real, I can't do a, like an Asian fob accent and like 
I grew up around, you know, people with accents, but I can't do it. So he mm-hmm. could be like just bad at the accent of his parents or whatever. Yeah, but no, it sounded like probable. It sounded like somebody who didn't has never heard a Trinidadian accent because it doesn't sound like a Jamaican. It doesn't sound like a bad Jamaican accent. It sounds. You know, that's how I feel when actors try to do like West African accents too, because like there's always something like it's always close but no cigar. Right. (laughs) So I I definitely see I definitely see what you mean. But this was even close. It wasn't even a Jamaican. They should have just gone with a Jamaican guy, like at least him doing a Jamaican accent. But I don't think he would have been able to do it either. Because even his Jamaican accent sounded bad. I was like, damn, guy. One thing that struck me about this character, though, is that, like, he was so happy to see Jenny. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) Like all the people that that are like from Jenny's past, so that she knows, are always so happy to see her, and like it makes me wonder, like what kind of adventures? Like literally, like we could have like a Sleepy Hollow spinoff, mm-hmm. where it's like the adventures of Jenny Mill, comic and book just, series. Like, all... Yeah, right. Like wouldn't that be so cool? Where she's yeah. just like running off and having all these adventures, and then these characters would be like, I don't know, it would just be fucking cool. Just but popping up. Like, yeah, just popping up and like, like I love how he's all like. I don't, I don't know. He, he was just, you know, he was a typical, like, he wasn't given any sort of special, like, you know, that, that dealer that has that special artifact, but he won't give it to you unless you have the right price and unless you can pay, pay in cash, you know. Like, we've seen that architect before. Yeah, but, he had genuine, like, friendly concern. He was like, hey, yeah. Johnny. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, I like mm-hmm. it. I like him. Yeah. Um, we'll see if he'll pop up again. I hope somebody can get him a folk, uh, a coach, an accent coach or something, because it was so bad. It was, like, really distracting. But let's talk about, like, what led to this. So Grace Dixon, so they find out this tale or this, like, riddle from Grace Dixon's journal. Um, she's, like, talk like, Abby's doing some research and talking about something that she read in Grace's journal about Washington being in a state of paranoia. And Ichabod's like, Washington paranoid? No. And Abby's like, yes. <laughs> it's written right here. Grace wrote about it. You weren't there. How would you know? Grace wouldn't lie, Ichabod. Yeah. But so something afflicted the like Washington's camp or whatever. And Grace walks in like a boss. And then Betsy Ross tries to like white splain. <laughs> Did you guys catch that? She was like white splaining the remedy to ward off evil. Like whatever she mixed in the blue bottles. And then she was like talking about the ingredients and grace is like yes i know i'm familiar oh, yeah, <laughs> grace yeah, yeah. had like no patience for her i was kind of pleased about that at least me too because i didn't even want her in the scene but i was like that was little- so unnecessary in fact if you just substitute like betsy with grace although i guess grace wouldn't be able to do a lot of things that betsy did because of like her station and her race but yeah. like more grace less betsy Rah, you, rah, rah. And somebody mentioned this. Like, note the difference between what Betsy is wearing, what Grace is wearing. Because at the same time, Grace is a spy, too, in a way, right? She's a spy and she's a witch. But her clothing doesn't change. Even when she, like, goes onto the battlefield, you know, to a camp to help Washington. Like, she doesn't have to dress a certain way to play up any, like, sexiness or whatever. She's just who she is, right? And she's, like, it's costume appropriate. Like, this, 
the the contrast between them is so stark. Like, I don't know. It's it just threw me a little bit. The costume for this show sometimes. I mean, I don't want to like be like, oh, look what she is wearing. You know, I feel like that's not really productive. It's not really feminist, but it does feel like fan servicey. Yeah, it feels like they're using it to play up to her sexiness for absolutely no reasons. Like, why can't she be sexy? And they almost uh, parodied it with Zoe wearing the Betsy Ross costume with the short skirt. Right, but then it was like, but then they're completely playing it realistically, and I was just like, yeah. why does he... I, I don't know, it's weird to me, because I'm like, if she's... It's just, I guess it's a fun outfit, you know, it'd be fun to cosplay or whatever. It's it's a perfectly fine outfit. But when you're portraying a certain, I don't know, mood or, like, a certain character, like, she's supposed to be this spy, like, I just remember, Harry, you know, women in the Revolutionary War who were soldiers would dress like men. Like, to hide the fact that they were women. Yeah, women had to hide the fact that they were women to serve in the army right so they i don't... were reduced like carrying buckets of water and like helping reload cannons right is and this a talissa thing i don't yeah <laughs> that's how it feels it totally feels like a talissa thing just like i'm just gonna stroll onto this camp you know being a lady in my like pants and like tight corset and nothing's gonna be different because people respect me so much yeah. i don't know it's just it's weird because it's unrealistic and i i'm it's so weird that i'm saying that about this show that has like creatures and stuff but it's so like grace made so much sense walking onto that field with her dress in her outfit and still being able to do her job and still being able to like be a witch and a spy in the presence of these people but like <sighs> I don't know. It's like weird male, white male gazy. Like they're attracted to, like they're attracted to this white woman. So they're gonna, you know, dress her up in a fantasy way. But they're not attracted to this black lady. So she can be like as realistic as possible. I don't know. It's something like weird about it. It's like how white women are framed in the narrative. Do you, in comparison. Do you think Grace is like who is this nonsense person? I don't know. <laughs> what is going on? She didn't write her name in the who book. Who is this? walking anachronism she didn't write betsy in did she no she didn't she didn't even oh, write her she name. left her out <laughs> it was so shady um because crane is like oh did your ancestor know betsy ross and abby's kind of like well it sounds like her she didn't name her okay maybe i'm being mean maybe it was like a way to protect her name but it seemed like everybody knew freaking Betsy since she was like... No, oh, opportunity for shade. <laughs> it was just an opportunity for shade, yeah. I don't know. It was just really funny to me. She didn't even name her. But I'm glad, like, Ichabod didn't immediately know what to do. Because um, Grace uses, like, Trinidadian Obia to help Washington. And then there's, like, this this uh, riddle, right? Rather, we call it, like, a proverb. So there's, like, this proverb... And he doesn't, he can't figure it out until like later when he figures out like what it actually has to do with the herbs. Like it's like a, is in like, it was like, oh, she chills in the port or she's, she's in the port of Spain and she's like watching the tree, like the birds in the tree or something in a spice tree with a foul scent. And so they figure out the actual, like it's the list of ingredients that Grace used to treat Washington. 
I liked that actually a lot because there are a lot of like Caribbean proverbs and stuff that we have that I don't even remember. Like my grandmother would say stuff to me too. So that felt real to you. Yeah, that was totally realistic to me. I was just like, yep, that, that sounds about right. Double speak. It's just funny to me though. Cause because uh, Jenny was like, it's the it's the Trini way. I went for carnival once. I was like, okay, so you know everything about Trinidadians because you went to carnival once. Okay, maybe she was being sarcastic. Maybe, or maybe it was um, just unlikely. A weird writing decision, and she also pronounced it kind of funny too. Like we don't pronounce it like that. It's just like a little nitpicky things. I don't know. It is what we do best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Dan Abbey. Um, so he's finally getting utilized in the story in this. I, I mean, I liked that Chernold was able to use all the characters, which is something I noticed. Um, she managed to actually use every single one of them in this episode, which shouldn't be as surprising as it is, you know? Um... Like, we actually get some background about Danny and Abby's relationship. Like, they meet at a crime crime scene, and, like, you know, Abby's, like, profiling the bug and figuring out stuff about the creature. And, like, Danny is doing, um, I guess, the actual FBI work, and while Abby's doing the supernatural stuff. And then he gets into the car, and he's, like, acting like an ass. Um, And then, you know obviously she like takes him down or whatever but like then he's restrained in the dungeon and they have like really interesting conversation about like i don't know some time that they spent in a shack by the beach or something wasn't that sexy i just want to interject to say (laughs) why did we get a flashback i mean if ever we needed a flashback it's we just, get like Ichabod Betsy sexy flashbacks, but then right? it's yeah. There's just something about how he was talking about it. You just really fucking felt it, like yo, they had some really good sexy times between two of them. <laughs> and Seriously. it's just like, and I feel like it sucks that we're getting it secondhand. But I feel like this is the first time in the entire series that Abby has ever been at least like presented to the audience as a sexual as someone who is sexy mm-hmm. you know what i mean granted it's through the mouth of her ex-lover and we don't actually get to see her like really being sexy and like ways that i don't know i guess other female characters are allowed to be but you know i mean what else could they have been doing like Jack by the beach <laughs> when he's like you don't you can't see what you do to people and i was like oh my god <laughs> this is some confession i was like here we go yeah, abby isn't really allowed to react to that i don't know if that was like a decision made by the director or you mean i mean the look on her face though and she tries to deflect from it but he keeps going because she doesn't she seems like she doesn't want to talk about it she keeps insisting that she's his friend but then he's like literally he's still thirsty right yeah. she's like he's like literally i'm still in love with you what the fuck <laughs> you oh, know yeah. like that line where he was just like you left but i'm still there but I'm, like, ah! yeah you left that place but i'm still there i was like dang this is <laughs> super it's intense so much. it's like, very angsty know. It is super angsty, and I kind of wish that, and because it's so like like heavy, I guess I kind of wish there was more of a build up to it. 
because prior to like we had a little hint here or there but it was like very light like there was never any real like you know how sometimes whenever two characters on the show for example have like a history where it's a kind of like where they've had some sort of sexual relationship like sometimes the guy will like pick on the girl a little bit by like standing just a little too close. And then as a viewer, you get like that sexual tension. You're like, hmm, what happened between those two? But that never happened between the two of them. Like, so I don't know. It's weird because on one hand, I'm just like, oh, this is, this is great. But then on the other hand, like the more like demanding part of me is like, I wish there was more of like a, like more of a banter between the two of them where you have this this lighthearted towing the line kind of mm-hmm. what's going on but you know what kind of past do they have and then bam out of nowhere here comes his real feelings like the these are the deep emotions that he's had hidden and i feel like that would have given it so much more weight well yeah i think it could be that they're trying to play as though Abby just wants to avoid confronting what's going on, or it could just be simply inconsistency in the writing because like before this, most of the episodes have been written by a bunch of white guys, you know, who might not get that nuance at all between or their relationship or whatever, or might not like get that they should be portraying that because she's their female lead. Like, I don't know what it is. I'm just like, treat her like you would any other female lead who's like a white girl, you know? I don't know. It's weird. I don't know if it's like a deliberate decision or if it's just the writers had fucked up and then Chernold came in and wanted to add some depth. Do you think they had, do you think they had like lustful, passionate, like Quantico- TV show sex, or was it more of a, like, professional, like... No way! I mean, they escaped to, like, a shack on the beach. They probably, like... (laughs) Somebody was headcanoning it, and they were like, okay, so where is Quantico exactly located? So wherever it's located, the only places... Because he said the Outer Banks, which I guess might be off the coast of... Oh, no, North Carolina, maybe? Somewhere up down there like it had to have been like they weren't getting paid you know jay-z money or something to to be in the academy so like they probably just ran off together somewhere and took a break and like went to the beach and like hold up like hooked up in a shack because i'm watching like quantico on abc and those recruits are like super horny yeah but they're also oh my god speaking and abby and this guy seem just way more mature yeah, Quantico feels like a high school on crack show. Really? <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I kind of have to give it up because I was kind of just like, eh. You have all these awesome women and all these relationships, and you're hooking up with terrible, terrible men. men. Oh my god, yes. There's so like, many white men on that the show. Board. There are no men of color on this show. <sighs> it sucks. It's really. I noticed really that. Yeah. It's really good. And then I sometimes I feel like. And like mediocre white men who are not yeah, even. To me, it does not make <laughs> sense. Yes. But it's not just that. Because I feel like as professional women, it just does not make sense to me. Like, not saying that they can't be sexual beings. Like, I'm all, I'm down for that. But it doesn't make sense to me that they're thirsting after these men who are, like, in my opinion, beneath them. Mm -hmm. Like, they're so much more talented. They're so much smarter. They're, They're more clever in, like, every single aspect. 
but they're like in like one of them is in like two of them is in a relationship with one cheating on a person's father i'm like what the fuck kind of soap opera bullshit okay i'm just a little upset i'm, I'm a little kind of <laughs> pissed at quantico because i feel like if it's... this was a show that was like with a male lead like that this show would not play out the way that it's playing it's... out like it's ridiculous it's really imbalanced like it feels completely inorganic like they're trying it to does hard. it feels it really does feel like, a, like a terrorist soap opera mm-hmm. and, I, and i really and i love uh, priyanka i think she's amazing it's my first time seeing her in anything and i really I, I adore her but i feel like she is too good for this show okay i'm done i'm done with the tape, not chronic. i haven't yeah. caught up to the last two episodes but people were annoyed i know about yeah. uh what was happening I'm just like behind and everything, but I saw some of the meta and I was like, well, I've been thinking that the guys were all terrible from the beginning. So I can understand why people are just like pissed yeah. that they're having these amazing women hook up with these, you know, wacky Royally guys. bland. Yeah. Seriously. Especially the blonde guy. Oh my God. And then the one dude Ugh. who's pretending to be gay. I'm like, yeah. Is no. he pretending? Yeah. Act- okay. He's at, I'm just like, yo, fuck this show. That's so weird to me. I was like, I don't, is he pretending? Is he bi? Like, what is going That's on? That's what I'm saying. Like, why can he bi? Why can he be bi? bi? Yeah. But it's like, no, he's pretending to be gay. I was like, you know what? Yeah. It's okay. weird. Yeah. Anyway. We don't Makes have no any, sense. we don't have any of that sexiness on this show. No, they had like, you know, beach escape Quantico sex, not... Lusty high school sex. Exactly. They had adult beach escape. Amazing sex on the beach where we didn't get a flashback of like Danny's abs. And Abby in a bikini. Why? Why show? Why are you doing this? You come in at nine o'clock. I don't understand. Someone can make a gif set of like Nicole Bahari in some other movie. And then yeah, where she's in. Oh my God. I'm going to request it. Done. Um, (laughs) So anyway... Uh, I think that was pretty much it. Well, actually, no. I'm I'm kidding. That's not... I mean, the Dan Abbey thing. Pretty much it for the Dan Abbey thing. Like, he, they save him by giving him the herb. And then, of course, the, the way that you, like, destroy... I think Crane figures out, or Abby and Crane together, figure out that they've got to destroy the Red Lady's home. Essentially, they've got to destroy her hive. And so they look for it. And they figure out that it's um, where Pandora's lair is. So they're sharing, you know, they're like roommates or something. Um, Which is interesting. I I don't know why they did it like that. I guess because they could kill two birds with one stone. Well, because Pandora summoned her. So maybe she wanted a roommate. Yeah, maybe she was lonely. Some shit like that. (laughs) Put up like a Craigslist ad. (laughs) Looking for an evil roommate who is just as fabulous as I am. Um, Because she's like, she's like in there picking her flowers and making her, uh, her cultivating her like, I don't know, her soup of terror. Um, Because that's what she's been doing all along, which I figured was that she was trying to cultivate different kinds of terror or different forms of terror or fear. And this one was like, this last one was the fear of fear itself. I think that's interesting, at least. Um, and then she she said that she tricked Crane and Abby into helping her. Because though the monsters were easy to f- summon, they were like difficult to contain. 
So I thought that was kind of cool too. She wanted them to be her cleanup crew. Right. And they did exactly what she, they like, played into her hand. I like how she wasn't here for Crane too. She's never here for him. And it's great. She's like, I'd like to give you a history lesson. And then she just like tossed aside his uh, weak arrow. I like that. And um, she, like Crane was busy fighting the red lady while Abby was taking down the hive with acid. And he's like getting his ass kicked as usual because he's always getting his ass kicked. But Pandora didn't even bother with them. She's just like, you already did what I wanted you to do. So I'm going to peace out now and like enter my big tree house. Yeah, what was up with that? It's like, Pandora, wait, where are you going? <laughs> She's just like, peace. I don't have time for this. I got I got shit to do. I'm gone. It could be a spaceship like the one from Saga. <laughs> it could be. But, I doubt it, but ooh. <laughs> but as they say, they as they were wrapping up the episode, um, well, not really wrapping up because it's an open-ended thing. Because she just disappears in there and they don't know what to do. Apparently trees are associated with the underworld a lot. Which I guess I need to brush up on my... um, Well, I guess that's true because there's like the tree of life. Norse mythology. Norse mythology, like the tree of good Mm -hmm. and evil or whatever. Which is in the Bible. I don't know. She's probably going to purgatory to fill the new job opening for replacement Moloch. Yes. Because she did say something like, I know what it's like to be in the presence of something more powerful than you, to Crane. So whatever she's going to get or whoever she's going to see should be, I hope, is surprising and interesting. Like, who is it? Is it a relative? Like, she does she have, like, a sister who's eviler than her? I don't know. But whatever it is, Crane and Abby figure out that it's it's probably something bigger that's coming and they don't know. They can't figure it out. So I, I'm guessing that's going to be within the next three episodes. And then that's going to end the mid-season. And then the mid-season starting back up in February, I think. So it's like a month break or like a month and a half. Well, it's like technically November sweeps, right? Do they still do that? Yeah, sort of. I don't even know why, because it's not like Nielsen ratings matter. Does November sweeps even mean anything anymore? It used to. It used to be when they drop all the shockers. Right. So maybe we'll get a shocker. I don't know. <clears throat> I liked this episode, despite like the date scenes or whatever, which I didn't really care for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was pretty solid. I liked the use of Caribbean mythology. Um, I liked that Crane wasn't like, didn't know everything. I like the fleshing out of Danny and Abby's relationship a little bit and Grace Dixon's presence. Like, you know, I was digging it. I was digging it. It was pretty solid for me. It was, like, probably the one of the better episodes so far. The Jenny cliffhanger is genuinely scary in a way that possessed Orlando Jones isn't. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to it. Like, the B-plot is really solid and really interesting, actually. Um, And I like the way it's converging with the A-plot, at least. But yeah, I don't know. I would probably give it, like, an 8.5. I don't want to be too generous. (laughs) Because I'm like, 
if I'm too generous and they fuck it up, I'm going to feel like, you know, I shouldn't even bother giving them such a high rating. I have a question. You know where they put mm. Reynolds in that place that they had put, they had kept the, uh, what's his face? Portland? Headless. Yeah, yeah. Like why, why haven't they outfitted this place with lamps instead of candlelight? <laughs> like it was all mm. candlelight. Especially was- since Headless has a fear of like fluorescent or UV lights or something, right? Right. Natural like, sun lamps. This is for, is this for aesthetic? I don't understand. It was so weird to me. I was like, how come they don't have real that? La- I don't know. Maybe it just creates a mood. They just want to save electricity. That's probably what it is. They can't pay Isn't it. that lair also in the same archive that was going to be like demolished and made into condos? Is it underneath? Is that where it is? I can't remember. It is. There's this whole like underground tunnel network of Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it is underneath. But Crane is working on saving the archives as long as as soon as he gets his citizenship or whatever. Um, I, f- oh, I was going to say something else about this. You know, the glass isn't, it's not, um, soundproof. So I wonder if Crane heard all that stuff between her and Danny. Cause there was like this moment at the end where he's sitting there and he's thinking and it doesn't look like he's having like happy thoughts. He just looks like he's lost in thought. I was like, does that have anything to do with Abby or am I just reading I into something? I thought that was his date. Wasn't he thinking about his date? That's what he said, but I don't... I mean, is it that straightforward? Yeah, I think it is. I don't I don't think... I, I don't know. Like, I feel like... Like, I feel like it wouldn't serve the writers to have Ichabod have heard that conversation, but not clue the audience in on that, in that okay. specific scene. Yeah. So I feel like because we didn't... See that exchange. We should assume that he didn't hear it, and that mm. he was thinking about his date. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was written with room for interpretation, and now there are like fanfics about that look, right? <laughs> um, or maybe mm. Tom has been working on his subtle acting because he's been a little bit OTT. Yeah. yeah, he could be thinking about like craft services. He could <laughs> like dinner later tonight or flowers, the type of flowers that they got. Who knows? I was just wondering about that. Questions, um, yeah. So, yeah, like 8.5 this episode for me mm. Mm. for Sleepy Hollow or for TV in general. I mean, <laughs> it was, I don't know, I, I never get to see like groovy and stuff on TV, so and it didn't completely demonize voodoo, like he was the guy who supplied the herbs was helpful. And when Grace Dixon supplied the tonic, it was actually helpful. Like it wasn't something evil. It wasn't treated as something evil, which I was worried about. Um, POC are supposed to be helpful. I mean, <laughs> just, we are very helpful. Well, not when it comes Except to Except when we're sinister. Yeah. Not when it comes to voodoo. Voodoo is like never, never portrayed. Mm are hardly ever portrayed as helpful. It's always portrayed as a thing that is evil. And I think it was interesting that in this episode, it's Pandora who summons this lady and mm. the cure for it is it's, it's a voodoo cure. It's not, or not a cure, but like a tonic that helps, um, I guess, keep people alive while they search to kill the monster. 
Yeah. And that doesn't often happen when I see voodoo portrayed. It's always like something sinister. And that's not what, you know, it actually is. It's a balance, right? So I at least appreciated that. I think I'd give it like a seven, like a B, a solid B plus. Yeah, I was thinking seven as well. Okay. I think, I think, see, this is strange because I actually feel like even though like the meeting between Joe and Atticus was like revealed absolutely nothing, somehow the B plot was more entertaining for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like there are elements of the A plot that I enjoy, but I feel like overall lately I'm like, ooh, like what are Jenny and Joe up to? Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's good to have a strong B plot, but I, f- I think Sleepy Hollow needs to, they need to just tighten up just a little bit more before I can like really be like, okay, all right, you know? So for me, it's a seven, as vague as my entire reasoning might <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was better than a couple of episodes we've gotten. Of girls. I gave those a seven. So I was like, mm, 8.5. <laughs> Sounds about reasonable. Mm-hmm. It was on par <laughs> with that one episode that we got with um, the Mills, the Sisters Mills. I gave like an eight. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, thanks for listening, folks. You can catch us at fatpinkcast.com on Tumblr, Twitter, iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, and where other fine podcasts can be found for no cost to you. Mm-hmm. And I shall leave you with the preview for this week's episode or next week's episode. Um, and yeah, that's all. Tra tra. Ta ta. Yay. Know thyself, know thy enemy, and one need not fear. Checkmate. Fox Thursday. We got company. They're unstoppable. An unbeatable enemy. Crime behind you! Run. An all new Sleepy Hollow Thursday on Fox.